0: Yes, these protests swept the country in the wake of the death in custody, as you know, I'm sure, of Masa Armini, the 22-year-old Kurdish woman, and they're into their second month now and show no particular sign of abating. Um what is While it's clear that many Iranians have had enough of theocratic rule, questions do remain about whether these protests will escalate into a full-blown revolution. One of the keys to that question is the powerful military force that is the Revolutionary Guard Corps, which we just alluded to there in our conversation with Mick Ryan. Joining me now to discuss all this is Dr Ali Vaez, Director of the Iran Project and Senior Advisor to uh, the group's President of the International Crisis Group. Also, an adjunct professor at Georgetown University's Edmund A. Walsh School of Foreign Service and a fellow at the uh, Foreign Policy Institute of the John Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. Welcome to the program.
1: Pleasure to be with you.
0: Uh, I, I wonder... In these differing views about whether these protests could become a genuine revolution uh, and whether it has any chance of succeeding in its goal of regime change, what view have you come to?
1: Look, the exact trajectory of social movements are inherently difficult to predict, Um, but uh, for any revolutionary movement to be successful, I think you need two elements. One is pressure from below and without any doubt, uh, there is a lot of discontent uh, within the Iranian society. Uh, and the second thing you need are cracks at the top of the political system. Now, uh, the, the difficulty I think the movement right now in Iran faces is that the numbers are still pretty small. We're talking about tens of thousands of people on the streets, mostly uh, pretty young uh, people, teenagers, uh Gen Zs and Gen Cs uh, on, on, on the streets facing the regime. There is no leadership. Uh, there's very little coordination among them. And the other, On the other hand, you have a regime that has the will and a fearsome capacity for repression. Uh, there are no defections from the system. There are no cracks in the leadership's edifice. Uh, And as such, um, I doubt that at this stage, uh, this movement could turn into a revolutionary one that would be able to topple the regime. But uh, having said all of this, I also have to add uh, that the Islamic Republic is very much akin to where Soviet Union was in the early 1980s. Not in the late 1980s in the sense that it's a system that is already at a dead end and will eventually collapse because of its own uh, internal contradiction and, and inability to reform itself, but it's not yet at that point, and the movement is also not yet at a revolutionary stage.
0: Um, more than it was, though, in the, la- the last, I mean, the, to mean two sort of major eruptions in the last 10 years, would you say, is there an advance underway, tragic though it is, in the sense of the people's uh, lives it claims?
1: Look, there are certain elements about this movement that are uh, quite stunning and impressive. One is the amount of bravery uh, that these young people have in facing a very brutal regime, completely bereft of mercy, that does not hesitate in using violence against the protesters um the other thing is uh it's much more widespread than a lot of uh the movements that we have seen in in the past few years it's really cross uh uh, cuts across uh uh, all the different boundaries that exist in iran in terms of ethnicities different sects uh different social classes um and uh, the the other thing that really was striking to me was the, the the fact that uh In the past movements, usually the demands of the protesters, at least in the early stages, were quite narrow. Uh, focused on, for instance, in 2009, a recount of the vote or a change in the electoral system, and eventually it got to debt to the dictator and asking for regime change. This time, there was no grace period. The zero to 100 happened uh, almost overnight. And from the beginning, people were asking for regime change. Uh, but but again, uh, as of now, I think the numbers are still not where they need to be in order for this to gain more momentum.
0: Mm. Interesting, um, I noticed there was quite a good piece in um, uh, Foreign Policy magazine and the writer uh, Ashvan Ostavar said it bluntly, Iran is undergoing an identity crisis. (laughs) Now, I wonder if that's how you would characterize it.
1: Well, I haven't read the piece uh, and Ashvan is a good friend. I I don't know what he exactly means by that. that. But, you know, without any doubt, there is a fundamental rupture between the state and the society. You have a state that uh, is still frozen in the ideology of the 1979 revolution is still led by the Jacobins of the 1979 revolution. Uh, They're mostly in their 70s and 80s and you have a young society that is connected to the outside world and uh, very individualistic uh, and wants the same living standards that uh, uh, other young people have uh, either in the region Uh, or around the world. Um, And uh, in that sense, I think there is a fundamental uh, fissure uh, that is just unbridgeable uh, between uh, the government and the people. And so that's why I'm saying that eventually uh, I can't see how a a regime like this can survive, a regime that has um, stymied and sabotaged any attempt uh, at reforming it in the past uh, two decades. Um, but but at this stage, again, I think we have to have realistic expectations, um, and uh, I just don't see the possibility of dislodging the system at this stage in time.
0: Um, interesting that there's no leader, real leader emerging. That's another of the uh, analyses I've read that... Uh, it's not organised, and you've already alluded to that, but there's no name emerging through the ranks, is there, uh, that that could allow people to coalesce around?
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, and, you know, that's a, a, an advantage and a disadvantage. And advantage in the sense that unlike in 2009, that the regime uh, arrested the leadership uh, of the movement and put them on the house arrest and basically... Uh, cut off the head of the movement and therefore was able to crush it, Uh, this time uh, there's no one to arrest that would completely defuse the situation for them. So I think the likeliest scenario is that the protest movement would eventually turn into a form of civil disobedience but would not completely disappear. Uh, But it's also a disadvantage for for the movement because uh, uh, there is uh, no coordination uh, and uh, no vision of a viable alternative to the Islamic Republic. I think if indeed there was uh, a viable alternative, you would see probably a much larger group of people coming to the streets because the discontent uh, within the Iranian society is much broader uh, than the people who have now come to the streets.
0: Mm. Now, the response by the regime is starting, well, it has been, but it looks like it's really gearing up with estimates that over 200 protesters have now been killed. And this is the Revolutionary Guards have been brought into it. And again, there's been very interesting writing about the Revolutionary Guards. Um, What is your sense of of whether, I mean, is there any question that there is sort of their ranks are divided? There, There's some stories about their people being very, un, you know, some of the guards not being ready to go out and fire on young women. I mean, what's your sense of how strongly they'll hold together?
1: Um, you know, again, at this stage, I have not seen any Uh, significant defections from within the ranks of the security apparatus um, and also at the top of the political structure. Um, uh, And this is a regime that has layers and layers of security forces that are designed for repression. Um, It has so far mostly deployed uh, the anti-riot police and some of its uh, militia, besiege militia, it hasn't really deployed the IRGC oh, in great numbers. Right. Uh, and it still can't bring out the big guns. And uh, it, I, I don't think it has any limit in terms of the amount of bloodshed that it takes uh, to maintain its grip on power. Uh,
0: because they've also got a lot of skin in the game, haven't they, in terms of the uh, money that, uh, I mean, they're, they're really involved in Iran's economy, aren't they, big time?
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, they—they they are the ones. That the Revolutionary Guards right now is the main beneficiary of uh, sanctions uh, against Iran because they're the ones who control smuggling, have uh, mm. uh, monopolized trade channels, uh, and uh, the status quo is highly beneficial to them. Um, But, you know, at the same time, the fact that uh, the opposition abroad and the diaspora have uh, created such a visceral environment, which to a great extent is understandable, but it has also blocked the possibility of defection, which is what you need in these kind of authoritarian states in order to bring them down. Uh, When people think, when uh, people who are currently serving the Islamic Republic think that they have nowhere to go, and if the regime collapses, it basically puts them in in, in an existential threat, Uh, they will fight until the Last uh, drop of blood, um, and and I think the fact that uh, also abroad uh, in among the Iranian exile community, there is no leadership with a positive vision for the future of the country, uh, is actually ser- serving the Islamic Republic because um, they uh, you know there is basically no incentive in defecting.
0: Well, that's very interesting. Uh, um, can you see it sp- uh, springing up anywhere? Is there any sense that this? There could be uh, breakthroughs here or not? I've not heard someone suggest that.
1: It's hard to imagine uh, at this stage. I mean, this is a regime that has survived uh, previous uprisings. Uh, And uh, again, I think it probably, this one is another major crack, uh, but it's not going to bring it down. Uh, no, the but the role question,
0: of the, think, the diaspora, I suppose, is what I mean. I haven't. Uh, I haven't.
1: The, the role of the diaspora also. I, I unfortunately, I don't see any possibility of a breakthrough. There are uh, individuals within the diaspora who have uh, the right credentials, but they have not been able to create an umbrella. Uh, that is broad enough uh, that could basically uh, bring the opposition together and offer a viable alternative to the Islamic Republic.
0: Now, we did just talk in, in the interview before you um, about the role of the Iranians in, the Ukra- on, in Ukraine soil at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, which was, again, I think surprised people generally and the supply of um, the drone equipment and so on. Does that surprise you?
1: Um, You know, this is the first time that Iran uh, in its uh, modern history uh, has been uh, an exporter of uh, weapons uh, to another major state, to another great power. Um, And so it is in that sense surprising, but um, it is completely in line with the logic of the supreme leader in Iran. Uh, who in 2011 also decided that he's going to uh, intervene militarily to save the Assad regime in Syria, because the concept is that uh, you know if Iran's Iran doesn't have a lot of friends on the international stage, and if the the, the limited number of friends that it has are undermined by what they believe is uh, hostile Western countries, then they believe that it would eventually uh, undermine Iran's own position, and so. Uh, With the same logic that the Supreme Leader decided that Iran is going to save the Assad regime, I think they've decided that they're going to save uh, Putin's uh, war in Ukraine because uh, Putin's defeat in some way is the defeat of the Islamic Republic.
0: Hmm. I mean, the West is now in a difficult position, arguably, in terms of how it should respond to these protests. If further sanctions are imposed, and we're going to talk about that later in the program, I suppose it risks playing into the anti-Western rhetoric as well as affecting people who are in the streets. But then, th- then there's also the nuclear deal hanging over it, <laughs> uh, over the question of, of the future. I presume negotiations cannot proceed while this situation of the Iranian supplying weaponry to the uh, Ukraine persists.
1: Well, I think that is correct, but also Iranians uh, have very little interest in negotiating as long as there is domestic unrest, because uh, unrest, because their perception is that if they deal with the West uh, under the current circumstances, it would be interpreted as a as a sign of weakness, and it would put push the West to ask for more concessions from Iran, and so they will only negotiate when uh, they've been able to put down the protests. Uh, the dilemma that the West will face is that it would then have to provide sanctions relief uh, for a regime that is repressing its own people at home and also involved in aggression against the people of Ukraine. Uh, but, you know, the other side of this coin is that if they don't deal with uh, with the Islamic Republic, they're basically accepting that Iran would eventually turn into another North Korea a totalitarian state with nuclear weapons. And that doesn't advance uh, the interest of the West or the interest of the protesters on the street of Iran either.
0: Oh, well, what a, what a, a mixed report. Thank you very much indeed. I fear we'll speak again.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Dr. Ali is uh, from the International Crisis Group, where he's director of the Iran Project. And may I add that um, on uh, this weekend, uh, Vision is going to trace the history of women and the women's movement in Iranian politics. Women have historically played a very important role in Iranian political history, going right back to the Persian Revolution. So don't miss that. But we'll be back after eight.